Hello, Horror Nights in family, and welcome to my podcast. So before we get into a brand new episode, I wanted to thank each and every one of you for continuing to support the podcast and the YouTube channel. I created this brand almost three years ago and had no idea where it would go. So I'm not sure if I've ever shared this with you guys, but I've always been a fan of journaling. And I actually found an old journal where the idea of this podcast was born. I had notes for ideas, and I'm happy to say that they've all come to fruition now. So thank you so much for being here. And let's get into the episode. Welcome to Horror Nights in Podcast. segments into the episode. Also, I apologize. My dishwasher is on in the background. I should have planned this better. Um, I was just telling my YouTube audience that, um, yeah, I definitely should have planned better, but um, I'm hoping that it doesn't pick up too much. Um, Also, if you are listening to the audio of this podcast, thank you, but I also started recording my uh, recordings <laughs> um, and they will be up on YouTube. Um, they're, I haven't really figured out like the extra things that I'll put on YouTube versus the podcast, podcast versus YouTube. Um, but I'm sure as I continue to do this, um, I'll figure something out. This obviously is the first one that I'm doing. Um, so yes, I wanted to add a couple new segments into the episode. Um, also Roxy is here because she's always here. Um, the first segment is where I chit chat about a Shutter horror film that I watched that week. I think I'm going to call it a sec with Shutter, like sec S-E-C. Uh, in no way am I affiliated with Shutter. Maybe one day, I hope. Um, Shudder has so many interesting and unique horror films to watch, and I wanted to challenge myself to watch more. If you guys follow me on Twitter, which you should be, at Horror Daddies or Us, I forgot to plug all of my socials in the beginning of this, but sorry, everything will be in the show notes. Um, you know that I tweeted a, about a recent film called Host. Uh, the writer of the film actually commented on my tweet, which was really cool. Um, the film was brought to my attention by a fellow horror YouTuber, Johnny Horror Hack. Um, you can follow him at the Horror Hack on Twitter. I'll put his um, I'll put his uh, Twitter handle in the description notes as well. Um, so he tweeted that he was watching it, and I was intrigued because you guys know I love found footage films like The Den and Paranormal Activity. Um, so I wanted to watch it immediately. Um, So this film must have been put together pretty quickly because the characters were using Zoom to chat during the pandemic. And one character even mentioned breaking quarantine and how coughing is considered taboo now. Um, During their Zoom call, they had a segment and things got pretty crazy. Um, I suggest checking out this film because it was short and sweet. It was also really cool to see how film creators and writers are using such a stressful time to channel their creativity. 
I didn't really know a lot about this film before I went into it. Um, and it's gotten pretty positive reviews um, thus far. I see a lot of you guys tweeting about it on Twitter. Um, I see it on Instagram. Um, it's also, um, I think, don't if I, I could be wrong, it's featured on Shutter too. Um, a lot of celebrities are also tweeting about it too, which I'm really excited about um, because it deserves it. Um, so if that sounds interesting, go watch it and let me know your thoughts. Um, another seg se segment, segment, <laughs> another segment I want to add in is what's in the horror news segment. Basically chat about anything new and exciting in the horror film world. And the first segment, of course, you guys know I have to do Scream. So you guys know I love Scream. And I haven't talked about this yet, except for maybe like on my Instagram or like my Twitter, but I haven't talked about it on the podcast and I haven't talked about it um, on my YouTube channel either. Um, so you know that I love Scream. Um, and how exciting is it that we are most likely going to get another Scream movie? Like what? I'm so, I'm so excited. Um, on Friday, Courtney Cox, uh, aka Gail Weathers, posted that she can't wait to see this face again. AKA it was a picture of Ghostface and there was the iconic music in the background. Um, Nev Campbell, David Arquette, and even Matthew Lillard are also going to hopefully be on board for the film. And I've said this before and I will say it again. I love how these actors have the utmost respect for the horror films that they've made in the past. I feel like we have seen time and time again Actors who hate their older movies, they refuse to even acknowledge them, but not horror film actors. I honestly feel like they're so genuinely invested, and you can see it when they like go to conventions, when they take their photos with their fans, when their fans are excited to talk about it. So I think that this is going to be freaking epic, and I am so excited about it. And I know everything is going on with the virus and I know that some movie theaters are opening. I personally haven't gone to the movies yet, um, but I, I'm i curious to see how that would go. I assume you have to wear a mask the whole time. I would because I always wear a mask, and you guys should wear a mask too, um, even if people aren't enforcing it, which is crazy to me that states and cities and towns are not enforcing people to wear masks. Um, I still have to wear a mask everywhere I go, even if I, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into it, but just be safe and, you know, follow the rules. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's keep going. All right, so you guys already know from the title of this episode, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Blood is Thicker Than Water. Um, it's going to be about the iconic and the legendary Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise and how... You guys know I like to add in a mental health spin on whatever I'm doing, um, whatever I'm talking about, and what better way for the comeback episode to be about dealing with your families. Um, I feel like now more than ever, we're dealing with a lot of anxieties and feelings of the unknown because of COVID-19. We are dealing with being at home, maybe with our families or significant others, or if you're like me, by yourself with your cat. Um, I'm not complaining. I'm very thankful for it. Um, families can be great. I love my family, but families can also be a source of stress. Um, relationships are tested. It's just a complete mess, um, but it's a safe complete mess. Um, but of course, there is one family in particular I want to focus on today, and that is the Sawyer family. And wow, what a family. 
crazy. So the franchise, all fictional, was based on true events. So according to ScreenRant.com, the slasher was directed by horror legend Tobe Hooper for a remarkably low budget, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or Chainsaw as it was first written, is still considered one of the most influential movies in the horror genre. So the concept for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre came to Hooper in the early 70s, as he was directly inspired by the violence featured on various San Antonio news outlets. More specifically, Hooper credited serial killers Ed Gein and Elmer Wayne Henley as the influencers for Leatherface. Like Gein, who was also the inspiration behind Norman Bates and Psycho, Leatherface had a history of wearing women's clothes and mutilating bodies. The idea of the chainsaw being used as the primary weapon actually came to Hooper when he was stuck in a hardware store and envisioned ways to violently get through the crowd. Interesting. I did not know that. So if you didn't know that, you're welcome. <laughs> um, so what I really love about this film um, is for a long time... I had no idea if it was actually real. And what I mean by that is when I first watched it and it's, you know, we get the narration that said one of the most bizarre criminals, you know, in American history. Um, so Hooper actually wanted the misleading information to act as a response to cultural and political discussions involving lies from the government during that time. What a coincidence and what a gem of a director, am I right? I mean, you're using here you're using horror to actually, you know, go up against the government. Um, so sorry about that guys, almost knocked over my water bottle. Um so I actually um thank you to screenwrite.com because I didn't really know any of the history or um, really any of anything that was behind the film. Um, I do remember watching this film with my dad and I think he was trying to spook me out and say like, yeah, it's real. Like that's, you know, like in the beginning when you see like the, the police like go into the, into the house and like they're taking pictures and like all of a sudden you see like Leatherface come out and with the chainsaw. So my dad was like, oh yeah, no, that's real. So I was since then just was like, is this real? Is this not real? Like, I don't understand. Um, so if you guys follow me on Twitter, you know that I recently watched Texas, Mass uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D. And it got my wheels turning about the family dynamic and how our family dynamic can affect us in so many different ways. But first, I want to talk about the family members that make up the Sawyer family. So first we have Drayton uh, Sawyer, the cook and the father of Leatherface, Nubbins, and Chop Top. So Nubbins is the oldest, and he's known as, you know, the crazy hitchhiker. Then Chop Top, who is Nubbins' twins brother, also is a Vietnam soldier who now has PTSD. Um, then, of course, we have Leatherface, who kills the victims for the family to eat. They call him Jed. They also, in some films, call him, call him Junior. Um, next, we have Grandpa Sawyer. He's the grandfather of all of them. Then Grandma Sawyer, who died, but they keep her corpse in the attic. <laughs> um, so as the additional films uh, came out, they introduced us to more family members like Mama Sawyer, Tex Sawyer, Alfredo Sawyer, the brother of Leatherface, Tinker Sawyer, another brother of Leatherface, 
um, who has a hook for right hand. And uh, I think I want to pronounce it, I want to say baby, but it could be Bob. No, I'm, I'm not sure. Or Bobby Sawyer. Um, but it's the daughter of Leatherface, which I don't recall that ever being a thing. But um, I am trying to get a better handle on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise because I feel like this is the least one that I go to, even though I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre and I love everything that's around it. It's it's definitely a franchise that I know the least about. Um, so I this is another reason why I wanted to do this because I wanted to understand more about this film, why it came about, and you know the family members that make it up. Um, so as the film progressed, Leather, or as the franchise progressed, um, Leatherface had different families. Um, he was, you know, there were a bunch of things, different going, things going on, like if, if he was autistic and things like that. But I wanted to just kind of stick with the semi-original because I watched the Texas uh, Mas Chainsaw Massacre 3D. Um, so the Sawyer family, once employed in their Texas town slaughterhouse, um, in Newt, Texas, but then it closed. Uh, the family ran into hard times um, with few skills other than cutting up meat. They killed whatever was around them to feed themselves. Um, so in the opening scene of Texas Chainsaw 3D, the family is picking up from where the first 1974 film left off. So the family is bombarded by the town sheriff after final girl Sally escapes from their clutches. Now, I really liked this idea. I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it can be confusing with the different families and sequels, as I was explaining before. So I like that this film gave us the brief introduction from the last scenes of the original film. Kind of refreshes my memory a little bit. Um, and immediately we see that the Sawyer family is um, ready to protect their own against the outside forces. Bill Mosley's also in the scene too, which I love. Of course, you guys know that I love Bill Mosley. Hello. Um, so they're ready to die if needed to protect themselves, protect their family. Um, we can assume that they only had each other, so their family bond was extremely strong. Um, so along with the sheriff, we also have the crazy town locals who is led by Mayor Burt Hartman, um, who bring in the fire. Literally, they burn down the Sawyer house. Uh, and we also have one set of locals that are in this lynch mob, kidnap the baby, the Sawyer baby that survived, and then they raise it on their own. Um, so as the film progresses, the principal character, Heather, who is played by the beautiful Alexandria Dodaro, um, I don't know if I said that right, So, but I love her. She's beautiful. She has the most amazing blue eyes I've ever seen in my entire life, and she has the dark hair and dark features. I love her so much. Um, she soon discovers that she was adopted, and she actually has a scar on her chest from the necklace that her mother was wearing when her mother was shot and killed when Heather was a baby. Um, so we have a young adult finding out that she was adopted and lied to her entire life when she inherits her dead grandmother's mansion in Newt, Texas. So, of course, Heather struggles with not knowing who she really is or where she came from. So her and her friends decide to go on a road trip to Texas and see what the home looks like. And also just to figure out who Heather really is. Now, there's a little bit of a problem that I have with this because the timeline of this doesn't quite make sense. I'm pretty sure I did the math and she's supposed to be like 39 years old. Um, but in the film, she's like 20. <laughs> 
she's like young, she's like early 20s. So I'm just going to ignore that um, and just keep going. It was just something I wanted to talk about. Um, so she struggles without really knowing who she is, where she came from. Um, so her and her friends decide to go on a road trip to Texas to see what the home looks like and also figure out who Heather really is. Um, and I'm pretty sure I just said that, but that's okay. So this also plays into the family dynamic because our identities start solely with who is raising us. Uh, we assume that the male and female figure we see or, you know, female, female, male, male, I'm not being prejudiced against any kind of um, parents that you may have or the parents that might be out there. Um, so the first people that we see, we assume that they're our parents or they're guardians. You know, we rely on them to help us grow up. And Heather relied on hers, but then finds out they aren't really her biological family. Uh, this will severely mess anyone up because your entire identity is rooted into that. You know, like when you first are growing up and, you know, you start to figure out who you are, you ask questions to the people around you and it's going to be your family and your family's going to say, you know, we do this, this way, this way, that way, this is, you know, this is right, this is wrong, you know, accept everybody because it doesn't matter what their skin color is. <clears throat> um, <laughs> um, and you just have respect for people and things like that. And your first, you know, your first ideals of the world are from your parents. They're from your guardians. That's who you identify as. Um, and yeah, this will really mess you up because if, if you think one way your entire life and then all of a sudden you're told this brand new information and it completely triggers you and just makes you be like, I don't know who I am anymore. Like the parents that I thought I had, Heather thought the parents that she had for that long were her parents and now they're not. Um, so I... I did like that part of the story. Um, so as Heather and her friends reach their destination, um, she soon finds out that she actually is a Sawyer and the home she inherited hides deadly secret, but one that she will eventually use to her defense. She finds out that the cannibalistic family she's related to savagely gunned down and lit on fire by the town locals, including her kidnapping parents. I use quotations for parents. Um, she also finds out that she is related to Jed, a.k.a. Leatherface, who lives in the basement. And her grandmother, who passed away, was actually taking care of Jed. And Jed, you know, in turn protected her. Um, and the town, I believe, knew that Jed was in the basement the whole time. Um, but sort of left them alone. As long as, you know, he was not killing anybody, then I'm pretty sure they just left it alone. Um, and I would have to assume that the only people that would know are the people that like, like the sheriff and of course the mayor knew. And it was, it was evident in the beginning of the film that the mayor wanted the house, um, this mansion because he wanted to kill Jed, um, because Jed was the last of, um, the, you know, surviving members other than of course, Heather now, cause she was the baby, um, that survived the fire. So another thing that I was thinking of is who was right? Who was wrong? I feel like the, you know, the town mob was wrong because if I remember correctly, they were going, the family was going to try to make an agreement with the sheriff or, it, I mean, it's never really known. Of course, I'm not going to side on, you know, the side of the family that's try you know killing teenagers and things like that um even though it makes for good entertainment 
So it's kind of like a battle between like who is right and who is wrong. But at the end of the day, I would have to say that the town mob was wrong just because of the way that they like took the baby and killed the mom and, you know, just they they were obviously made to look like the villains in this, even though technically Leatherface is. But is he really a villain? Um that could be a podcast for another time. <laughs> um, so they, uh, she finds out that she's related to Jed, who lives in the basement. Um, she immediately takes on her new identity and in turn is filled with rage and wanting revenge on the town for what they did to her and her family. There are definitely some cringy moments throughout the film, but overall I really didn't hate it. Um, Heather was able to get justice on the town along with the help of her cousin Jed. Um, there are also some really cool kill scenes as well. So, I do want to talk about kill scenes because, hello, I have a horror movie review podcast. I got to talk about the kills. Um, so, first, we have the thief hitchhiker, Daryl, whose head was bashed in with the meat tenderizer, which I didn't really care about because nobody likes a thief. Um, then there was Kenny, who was pretty cool, and his kill was super brutal. Um, he was actually sawed in half with a chainsaw after being put on the infamous meat hook. Um, those parts always make me cringe, even in the remake with Jessica Biel when uh, the, I forget what his name is, but the guy with like the surfer blonde hairdo, when he was put on the meat hook and she was like trying to like pull, like pick him up. Oh God, that just made me like cringe, like full body cringe. Ooh, um, you're welcome, YouTube, if you're watching this, you just saw me cringe. <laughs> um, so I, I felt bad for Kenny. Um, Ryan, Heather's really shitty cheating ex-boyfriend, um, died in the car accident trying to escape the mansion. Nikki was actually accidentally shot by Officer Marvin, who also wasn't my favorite because she was also a shitty friend to Heather, so good riddance. Um, and I actually didn't know that the cop shot her on accident, um, until I went and did my notes for this because I was like, wait, what happened to that chick? Um, but... And then Officer Marvin, who didn't really like him either. He's hacked to death with a hatchet. But the ultimate kill was definitely the mayor, Bert Hartman. Um, he was actually the madman that was behind the initial riot of the Sawyer family. Um, he got his hands chopped off by Leatherface, and then he went feet first into a meat grinder. So, <laughs> um, the film ends with basically Heather taking her rightful home back and Jed protecting her. And also, I was just kind of letting their credits roll because um, I was like on my phone or something. And all of a sudden, there was like this extra scene at the end, which was really cool. And it was her, um, it was her adoptive parents um, actually coming to see her, but then like making like a weird joke, like, "Oh, she's got money now. I'll like her." And then instead of Heather answering the door, Jed actually answers the door, which is really cool. So um, I was like, oh, there's an extra scene in this that I didn't know about. Um, so the film is good. If you haven't seen it, um, sorry, spoiler alert, but I mean, you can kind of figure it out. I figured out that Heather was that baby like two seconds after that whole, when I saw that the, that those two town locals took her, I was like, oh, well, for sure. Absolutely. She's this is her all grown up, but not the right age, whatever. <laughs> um, so I, I figured it out pretty quickly. And then of course, with any horror good, you know, any, any horror film, you always just want to, you know, watch people just get hacked up. Um, so the question I ask myself is, is blood thicker than water? 
So I did do a little research um, on this saying, and it is a medieval proverb in English that means that uh, family bonds will always be stronger than bonds of friendship or love. We can trace the oldest record of this saying back to the 12th century in Germany. Um, I think the bond between family is extremely strong, especially for the Sawyer family. It's a family who was trying to survive, and yes, they had an unconventional way of survival, but they stuck together. I mean, they really, really protected their own. Now, I am someone who is very fortunate enough to have a very good, solid group of, of a couple girls, um, and you know, well, actually a few girls and you know, a couple guys who I consider family, and I really think um, that in a sense, my bonds with them, of course, they're not as strong as my bonds with, you know, like my sister, my brothers, you know, my parents. Um, but there is something to be said about having, you know, that bond as a, as, as a friendship, which, you know, because, you know, some people aren't fortunate enough to have um, a family or have, you know, an accepting family or things like that. So, you know, their friends become their family. And I think that's something that um, has definitely, you know, been more acceptable as like my friends and my family kind of thing. Um, so I, I do believe at least, of course, for the Texas Chainsaw the Sawyer family, of course, their bond is a lot stronger than they would with any of their friends. Like I said, they didn't really associate with anybody um, outside of their families. So, and let me know guys, if this, um, if you agree with is blood thicker than water, um, what are your thoughts about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise overall? I personally, as I've said, I love it. Um, and I'll say it again, like I'm trying to get, um, I want to challenge myself to watch more, you know, older horror films, because I think it's important to obviously know where you came from. We couldn't, we couldn't have, you know, films like we have now, like hosts and things like that without like paranormal activity. You know, you can't have films like, um, you know, Hereditary or, you know, bigger giants that, that, you know, horror films like that. If you didn't first have like, um, you know, uh, Halloween things like that. So I think it's always important to know kind of where you came from, which is funny because it's ironic considering this episode is about families. Um, <laughs> um, and you know, even my bonds with some of you guys, like we call ourselves a horror family, a horror community. And I know that, you know, I also want to talk about something too. Um, I saw for a little while that, uh, I read a tweet and it said, I don't know why we call ourselves a horror family. Um, when nobody agrees with each other and everybody always tries to like up the other person. And me personally, I've never really felt that way with a group of individuals that I talk to on a regular basis on Twitter. Um, everybody that I've met in the horror family, at least the ones that I associate with, um, always great, always good. Uh, so nice. Um, we're just a group of people who, you know, from all over the world who love horror films and, um, Unfortunately, or fortunately for me, I've never felt any negativity. I feel like we're all very supportive of each other. Um, so if you're listening to this and you've seen some negativity within the horror community, like I, I don't really know what to say because I, I haven't experienced that. Um, 
But I digress. Um, I really enjoyed this film. Um, probably one of my favorite horror films is definitely The Texas Chainsaw Massacre with uh, Jessica Biel. I thought she did an amazing job in that film. That film was so freaking scary. Um, so, um, but I think that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for just continuing to support me. And thank you guys so much for letting me kind of take a little two month break there. So I didn't mention this in the beginning of the episode just because I kind of wanted to get like right into it. Um, the reason I took a little bit of a break was because work had just been really, really horrendously busy and I was just starting to, um, kind of reamp everything on my YouTube channel. So, um, it took me very long to edit videos and I've gotten into a better groove now. So I am hoping, I, I'm not sure what the schedule for the podcast will be. I want to at least get up um, two episodes, um, a month. Um, and also with my normal four YouTube videos, um, because I want it to be more consistent. And I was just the other day last week, I, I was just, I just really miss podcasting. I was just like, I really, like I was looking at my microphone <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I miss using that because this entire brand was built from me wanting to talk about horror films. I mean, it started with me and my computer and a microphone and that was it. And I was like, I need to get back to my roots. I need to get back to what I love doing. And I love podcasting. I love sitting here and just talking to you guys. And I know that it's just me and, um, I appreciate you guys always supporting me. I am such a control freak. It's ridiculous. And the reason, you know, a lot of people have asked me to in the past, like, Crystal, like, why don't you have a co-host? And are you ever going to get one? Do you want one? And pretty much, no, I don't want one. And this is no hate towards any of my podcast friends who have, you know, more than one host. Um, I think they're great. They're so much fun to listen to. They're very entertaining. But I am just a control freak and I want to do things when I want to do them. And if I want to record a podcast at, you know, one o'clock in the morning on like a Friday night, then I want to do it. <laughs> um, so I'm very, I'm just a control freak. And that's honestly the reason I love, uh, love guesting on other podcasts. I think they're so much fun. Um, and I love having people on my podcast. It's, it's just really fun. But at the end of the day, like horror nights in is just me. And of course, Roxy. Um, but everything I do creatively is just for me. Um, and I just, I love doing this and I'm so glad that I'm sitting here with you guys. And I'm also so happy that I'm sitting here on camera too and recording this, this episode so you guys can, you know, listen to the audio or you can watch it too, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Um, so yeah, thank you guys so, so much just for being awesome. And I did actually check my SoundCloud, um, listens the other day and I surpassed 10,000 listens, which is really cool. I know that, you know, it may not seem like a lot cause like. 10,000, whatever. But like, it means a lot to me considering I was just telling you guys in this episode, how I found the notebook that had all the notes from before I even recorded a first episode of, of the podcast back in 2018. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm very, 
very uh, humble and thankful for you guys. So thank you so much. Um, and yeah, make sure you guys are following me on my socials. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Horror Nights In. You can follow me on Twitter at Horror Daddies R Us. Um, anything that I mentioned in here that was not my own is linked below um, in the show notes. I also linked down uh, Johnny's Twitter and also his YouTube channel, so go check him out. Um, I will be putting out a new um, episode, or I'm sorry, I will be putting out a new video on my YouTube channel this Wednesday, so definitely go check that out too. And make sure you guys um leave me a review um on itunes i love reading them thank you guys so much for those of you who have left me reviews um but yeah they totally make my day and thank you so so much for being here and yeah i will catch you guys soon i promise i'm gonna get on a better schedule so um thank you guys and i will talk to you later bye welcome to horror nights and podcast Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Here's Johnny! You're gonna need a bigger boat.